You've reached fun fact. For office hours, press one. One. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, once a month. Hey, buddy. <laughs> fun fact. Mm. Some important crops were originally just weeds that grew in wheat and barley fields, and over time, humans accidentally evolved them into food. Accidentally evolved them into food. So that's where this gets... Because I was all prepared to be like, okay, that maybe like sense, yeah. they planted stuff, and then they it, at the time it wasn't really thought of as something you would eat, but then someone was like, ooh, I'm going to try eating mm-hmm. that, because that's what people do. And then they're like, oh, this is yummy. But that's not what you're saying. You're saying that they sort of something they were doing for something else uh accidentally caused them to create delicious food yeah and that's that's one of my favorite i always love accidental uh uh, (laughs) consequences when it's like okay people are trying to do one thing and then they caused another thing i mean i hope the fun factors are okay with you know it feels like every episode we have an accidental food creation corner story from you but uh so hopefully people are not bored of that but uh but we'll we'll see if there's something new in this one. how would how is this no, a common it's, corner it's, accidental no food it's, never, it's, corner? it's never it's never you have me thinking i'm like uh, yeah oh maybe i am too much uh, doing that cross okay breeding watermelons no i don't know i don't think it's ever happened before so there are a couple examples of this uh, effect, um, but one of the crops in question is rye. Mm. If you're familiar with that, you, oh, yeah. in Europe, they make but, rye whiskey out of rye and rye bread out of rye. Rye whiskey, rye bread, which I, I mean, this is maybe not a, a, a unusual opinion. I find rye bread is uh, acquired taste. Um, but I have acquired that taste. You've acquired apparently. it. What well, being in. Yeah. Europe, it's more popular, I know. Yeah, but rye, important crop, uh, mm. and uh, farmed, you know, bountifully um, in Bount- the modern age. <laughs> but rye originally was mm. just a grass, like a weed that would grow in amongst wheat and barley. So farmers in ancient times trying to grow wheat and barley and harvest it and weed out, you know, pull weeds out of the field so that they're not competing for resources and that when they harvest their wheat and barley, they get wheat and barley. Um, but there was the, this rye growing amongst it. Um, I have a question and, about that, actually. Yeah. So, and, and I don't know if you know this, but I, I've, I, I've heard the the term rye grass mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Is that the same rye? Do I know? assume. Well, okay, I probably not. Probably that's the original weed. Would be my guess. Oh, okay. So my sense, yeah. not that. So all of these, most of the crops that we think of when we think of like grain crops, most of them are like in the family of grasses, broadly. Oh, well, I and guess so that makes sense. When grass gets really long, like the our lawn grass, when it gets really long, it starts to actually seed at the top, and you get these little uh, things at the top. Um, oh. And so they're all kind of like in a broad family. But then the uh, wheat and barley were the ones mm-hmm. in ancient times that, as far as you know, it's always hard to tell. This is kind of prehistoric, and then they sort of figure it out from various like bits of evidence um but it seems like that uh, wheat and barley were some some of the og crops um and that they were especially crops that we still uh, care about today um and that rye um was a weed that would grow amongst them and they would pull that weed out of the field so they would go in and they would they would weed out the as much of the rye as they could uh, pull out and particularly they would most successfully weed out the rye um that looked the least like wheat and barley oh right just cause, like, common because like common sense, you go into the field and you're like, like oh, this doesn't look like you're going wheat. quickly. This doesn't like wheat. This doesn't look like wheat. Oh yeah, this is okay. Oh, yeah, there's this, some of that rye. Yeah, they weren't doing it. They were doing it by hand and whatnot. 
Yeah, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Over time, like literally thousands of years, mm. they're going into the field, pulling out the rye that looks the least like wheat and barley. Um, yeah. But the rye that looks the most like wheat and barley and <laughs> is thriving is going to be most likely to stay. Ah, oh, that's so cool. And then the same way, um, then it came. You know, the end of the season, they would uh, pull out. Um, the crops and they would get the seeds they would go through the seeds uh, before planting and they would see that rye seeds had gotten in there because they the weed these rye weeds were growing amongst sure. the crops and so they would pull try to pull out all the rye seeds but the same evolutionary pressure accidentally <laughs> was applied to the rye seeds which is that the rye seeds that looked the most like wheat seeds would be the most likely to accidentally get planted wow this is really like seriously accidental evolution yeah and so, the, so I, cool. I, it, it was like very frustrating sort of like in theory to it was like frustrating in the like sort of alternative definition of like they're trying to do a thing and it stops them from doing the thing it's like they were the the crop was adapting to avoid this pressure as evolution sort of does um but a like very fortuitous side effect of that is that over time as the rye um crop got this pressure to look like wheat and and um then over time it became more and more like wheat to the point that it was like oh hey actually this is a useful crop itself cool because they were similar enough to start that it was able to do that um, so rye is one example. Apparently, the same thing also happened with oats. With oats, yeah, oats were a weed. It, it oh. is thought. So, uh, by the way, I, I do, unless you have more to say about rye specifically, hmm. uh, only one thing. But no, go uh, okay. Through. Well, I was just telling you that I, I just wanted to discover whether ryegrass was the same. So I googled it, and ryegrass, which I have only ever heard said, is actually one word. Okay. It's ryegrass with like R-Y-E-G-R-A-S-S, no space. Okay. And apparently that is a plant that is actually known as Lolium perenna and is not the same as rye, which is the, uh, but they are super related and all of their uh, scientific classifications are almost the same. Ah, <laughs> they're in okay. like the same subfamily, but then they're in a different genus. Mm, okay. So it might uh, be, uh, it might be. So I think you're right. Yeah, maybe there. Yeah, maybe that was the weed. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing, just shout out to my lovely wife. Uh, the first place that rye uh, grew wild in was in Turkey. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, a lot of this stuff happened rye. in this historical farming, his, uh, sorry, ancient times. Yeah, it's uh, that it was in place, Turkey, you know? Middle East, the origins of modern Pretty society in many ways. Pretty much everything. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, world. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's great. Um, farming. Big, big win, I, th- I think. Yeah, big, big. Really. I'm currently on a farm, and it's a big win. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this uh, apparently also happened with oats as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's called Vavilovian mimicry from the Russian scientist Vavilov. Um, oh, I love it when it's named up. after someone. And I bet most people don't even know that, that it's named after Vavilov, somebody. What was the name? Nikolai Vavilov. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nikolai Vavilov. That's yeah. cool. I would. I wish that I had something as random as this named after me. This isn't just random. This is like a cool thing. You know, I feel like if someone gets named after me, it's going to be some. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not cool enough to define an entire like. You know, no, it's going to be the historically. Perfect, no, it's going to be like the perfect to to do list setup. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would be definitely more likely to be the kind of thing that would end up named yeah. after me. I'll keep working on 100%. that. See if it can get that level. 
the pike so system. Babylonian mimicry, you said. Yeah, and this is something that, um, like, to me, I, I was most fascinated with this, like, this idea that oats and rye were just weeds um, that had, yeah, we had like accidentally turned into food. But apparently, this also sometimes happens just in a way that is not fortuitous and is only annoying. Oh, um, so apparently, with lentils. Um, there was a weed that was called the common vetch, which was not a particularly sound sounding no <laughs> plant. <laughs> and apparently it grows in with lentils. Um, and that over the years and perhaps centuries, um, this same selection process um, has made it start to look more and more like lentils. And especially the seeds, it's very difficult to pull out vetch seeds from lentil oh, seeds. Um, but uh-huh. they're bitter and people don't want to eat vetch <laughs> as you would maybe like the name just i guess worked out well and that it just doesn't sound appealing and it's not appealing to eat um so i'll post this link um in there about what uh trying to pull apart the seeds um and i'll post this in there for you um, i see a picture here of cooked vetch yeah like i mean it's not poisonous or anything like that but you can see in this this image what lentil seeds look like which is labeled a here and then b is what wild vetch um seeds look like and then over time they have evolved to look basically lentil seeds yeah they're almost identical i mean you'd really need to be like are there little weird ridges here or not yeah yeah it's very very difficult um and so over time like the there's this arms race where they the, like they have in seed processing facilities um computer vision even trying to like weed out the seeds but that just makes them evolve even more oh no right yeah because they're not going to be a hundred percent yeah unless they get so 100 percent out they're just encouraging more. wow they're just making super veg there's no real solution to that either because you're not going to just leave the veg in gotta get the uh, veg out the solution is make tasty veg what right but they haven't gotten that apparently there's people researching that right and then if you can make vegetables galaxy brain right yeah yeah that really is like next level but they haven't figured that out yet yeah so that's my grain fact okay cool uh this fact is not about grains it could be i guess i thought we'd agree on grains only we i'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> i feel like i've let you down again to all the fun factors out there i'm very sorry you're not getting an entirely green fact <laughs> episode but uh so fun fact some new yorkers in the 1930s were apparently afraid of the weight of too many tall buildings oh like it pushing the ground like the yeah, so I, down. I got i got this from an old issue of the new yorker which means we are firmly back on ah, firmly that's good <laughs> things sure were different in the 30s corner you oh remember yeah mm-hmm. the the fifteen thousand people who watched a police shooting right and then there was the hat stealing mob <laughs> yeah that's right yeah yeah so i according to an article i was reading the july 5th 1930 issue of the new yorker because you know as you, as do. you do yeah and there was apparently a lot of what they called agoraphobia being caused by a fear that all the huge buildings that were at that time dramatically remaking the new york city skyline were going to cause the earth's surface to crack and that manhattan would therefore sink into the sea oh wow i mean that would be bad that would be very very bad so sub fact agoraphobia probably isn't the exactly right term for this fear but it is the definition i understood of agoraphobia the, f- the fear of Manhattan cracking and falling into the sea. That's right. Yeah. No, the article describes it as a fear of public places. Yeah. Is that how you, is that how you generally understand agoraphobia? That, that's what I, or, well, I guess people will use it to refer to fear of crowds. So I, I, I think of it as being in a public place and you can't get out. 
So that's actually a much closer definition. Yeah, you're that you're much closer. So I thought of it as yeah, sort of like fear to go outside or fear of crowds and stuff like that. Apparently, it's an anxiety disorder that happens when a person believes they're in an unsafe environment that they can't easily escape. Yeah. So it could include being in public, but it could also include open spaces, closed spaces like public transit, a airplane, you know, shopping centers. And apparently, like one point seven percent of adults have agoraphobia. Well, it's also like there's like almost any other uh condition like this there's a spectrum of it but like i have gotten to points where i started to um like i'm quite happy in crowds normally and i like mm-hmm. being in the city or whatever but in mm-hmm. the like after aftermath in that afterwards of uh canada winning the gold cup hockey game or gold uh, oh. medal hockey game in 2010 uh-huh. when we were in vancouver for the vancouver olympics and as you can imagine wow, canada yeah. winning mm-hmm. the gold medal it's like everyone's like so excited or whatever um and uh the we went out into the street in downtown which is where we were living and people were in the street and it was people were cheering and cry and the crowds and everyone was happy and celebratory but it started to get more and more and more crowded to the point that there's like three or four people pushing on you on all sides and it's almost like for for 20 30 40 feet in all directions and i my brain got to the point where it's like nope get out now 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 out 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 and it was interesting because like i'm normally very comfortable in crowds but it was just like a you this hit is too the close point. to unsafe and then my brain decided yeah. no and it was it was not entirely rational because <clears throat> things do eventually it does go not wrong sound entirely irrational uh, in crowds but it, it was interesting to me how it kind of flipped from like oh yeah this is cool this is fun and then suddenly some part of my lizard brain was like actually no <laughs> so i yeah i do wonder i want to find more about this i want to find out more about this because i do think that i don't like being in places if i don't know how to leave but at any rate yeah uh according to the new yorker uh, this was a prevalent fear at the time this fear of the heavy buildings and they even quote henry ford of ford motor company as mm-hmm. saying Cities had better stop piling up skyscrapers. It's possible to get too much weight on the surface. <laughs> I like the idea that it's like the earth is like a like one of those Cadbury cream eggs. It's just like if you weigh it down too much, it just like. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's the not really true. Like leak out. <laughs> it's not like that, but at least not in New York City. And the article gives two reasons. So they're trying to like um, allay the fears of the people. Right. In, 19, in the 1930s. In the 30s. And this is where this got really interesting to me. So. The, the article gives two reasons why it's not a problem. Hmm. And the first one is kind of the more boring one, which is that, um, I don't know if you know this, but NYC, specifically Manhattan, is built entirely on solid rock. Yeah, the parts where the big tall buildings are. And then there's like the middle part where it's not as built up. Like if you go from between downtown and midtown where there's the big skyscrapers. And then there's kind of that middle part that feels more smaller scale. And there's apparently like less sturdy rock under that. Oh, I am so happy you said that. So that's not true at all. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was told so... I was told that, and then someone showed me a map that showed the yeah. different types of rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looked so, true. Yeah. I'm so happy that you said that. So oh, okay. Manhattan is basically one giant boulder. It's called a mica schist. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's the kind of rock it is. And it's apparently especially well-suited to supporting the foundations of tall buildings, hmm. which is sort of convenient. Yeah, nice. nice. Yeah. So yeah, I had this sub-fact. And the subject was that there is a myth that the differing depth to bedrock around the island <laughs> explains the clustering of high-rise buildings to only one part. Okay, and so there uh, is a differing depth to bedrock. It's not that there isn't. It's just that that's not why the high-rises are where they are. Well, yes and no. So the the idea of the myth as, as expressed by you is that the, yeah, that the bedrock is further down and there's less tall buildings. But that's not actually true. In, in fact, some of the tallest buildings in Manhattan are built on the lowest bedrock. Huh. Uh, and there's even quicksand that they have to deal with. And uh, some of the 
some of the buildings in the super dense area had some of the lowest bedrock and the bedrock kind of undulates and rises and falls throughout the island not in any like super predictable way like you're imagining and so the location of the skyscrapers is actually much more to do with sort of pre-existing population density and like what return on investment calculation you could get and they invented all this stuff to like put in the ground so they could build skyscrapers on the places that had farther to dig to get to the bedrock and had this quicksand problem specifically because it was in areas of greater density where they could then get a higher uh you know price per square foot on renting and things right. like that so not true the myth but uh, any and there'll be a link in the show notes show notes going way too in depth about this myth and why it's not true but anyway the so that would i said that was the more boring reason why it's mm-hmm. not a problem but the the more interesting one that or the one that i found interesting and the reason i wanted to, to, to talk about this is that at least in the 30s Adding a super tall building didn't actually add to the dead weight of New York City most of the time. And the reason why is because they had to excavate rock to place the building. And in most cases, the rock they removed weighed more than the building they put in its place. (laughs) So they often lightened the load. And even if the building was heavier, it was generally only very slightly so. In fact, the world's formerly world's tallest building, it was only the tallest for about a year, but the Chrysler building as an example, weighs roughly 70,000 tons less than the earth it replaced. Wow. Because it's quite deep on the foundations. Yeah, you have to dig really far down to be, you know, to, to fully bolt it into the bedrock. So uh, anyway, you don't need to worry that the earth is going to fall in the sea, at least not because of the weight of tall buildings. Or if it does, it'll be for a different reason. It'll be for a different reason, yeah. But I thought that was so interesting. Like, they just, they actually were, were lightening Manhattan. I, I don't know if anyone was then afraid that it would, like, rise and, you know. Yeah, well, and, like, I believe that those concerns about, like, weighing down or lightning ground causing problems like that, like, can happen in some places, right? Like, you hear about. um, Yeah, probably. I mean, Florida, obviously. I mean, they they built the Millennium Tower in San Francisco, and they didn't do it with the proper foundations. And then it started, like, it's a really tall building, and it just started falling. Like, Like, tilting. Yeah, tilting, like, Leaning Tower of Pisa style. And then it took an extremely long time, and... Uh, a lot of very fancy architects, including my former landlord, to figure out how to uh, fix it. Is it is it pretty fixed now, or is it like the leaning for tower piece where they like pump a bunch of concrete underneath and then it becomes more tilted? <laughs> no, I think the point of the leaning tower piece is that they want it to stay leaning. Well, now they do. So that, that's what I think. They, engineering I, I was told again, like <laughs> be careful, of, like repeating things I was told. But I was told that uh, leaning power tower of Pisa they they had been tried to be fixed at some point and then that that like made it worse and that uh, nowadays obviously they would never fix it because that's it's well why I, it's i'm gonna put that on the it. i'm gonna put that on my topic list to investigate for you yeah but uh, but i will say if you're right i probably won't talk about it because it won't be that interesting <laughs> you just have to be <laughs> common myth the leading tower of pizza, yeah, it was exactly intended to be straight and they tried to fix it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah sorry it wasn't a grain fact uh okay well I guess I'll accept one non-grade fact. Um, mm. Cool. But I, I find this, um, that kind of like the way that we think about things changing, like, you know, the things people are worried about. Because I mean, the big, tall buildings, I do understand when I was a kid and first came downtown Vancouver, I remember because we lived kind of in the suburbs when I was a kid and I would we'd come in and the, the tall buildings towering over me. It did feel almost like a little bit of a vertigo-y thing. Like, uh, are they going to fall over like this? Your brain oh, yeah, sure. makes it feel like. You know, when I was a kid, at least, and yeah. discomfort, especially sense. if things are changing quickly. Yeah. Um. So my second fact is about grain. 
what wow i really failed you yeah. <laughs> i really did i thought we were on the same no. page with that. no it's just a it's a follow-up pack that came out of the other one and okay. uh i thought it was interesting enough that i kind of like split it up cool so i i didn't know how much i didn't know about grain <laughs> uh, uh, I just, yeah how would you i don't know i just kind of thought like, yeah whenever like we know there's no and, knowns and known unknowns and unknown unknowns out yeah famously and so famous. i had some unknown unknowns around grain i just kind of thought like well what is it if you, like if you'd asked me like what is an oat oat and like how do oats grow i would have sort oh, of yeah. imagined like them being mm. these little flakes um, they're circles right that and they, they yeah just, so wheat <laughs> they, wheat you put them in see cereal and then you yeah exactly yeah yeah they're little circular things so wheat yeah. oats and barley um uh-huh. and their relatives like right um are almost they're very similar when they're harvested they're this little grass seeds and they don't from that like they're in these little holes and stuff like that but the a lot of like we think most people at least think of wheat oats and barley as very different uh grains like very different yeah, totally products. different um but the reason we think of them as so differently is not because of how they grow or what they are it's because of what is done with them um so, oh, so we treated differently yeah so wheat's normally most often milled into flour into powder okay. form sure um oats are normally steamed and then rolled flat so when you think mm, of an oat flake rolled it's yeah, rolled so rolled good. oats right so tasty yeah um and barley is often pearled which is not a thing i had heard of before no um, but apparently they take the seeds and then they roll them in like rough um machinery and then that smooths them out into these round because if you think of like barley floating in a soup or something like that these little round balls pellets um they can't they start as seeds and then they roll off all of the uh outer stuff and then they just have like the refined inside uh smoothed off um and that's how they make what we think of as barley is actually barley seeds that have been been pearled what we think of as oats is oat seeds that have been steamed and rolled what we think of as wheat flour obviously we know <laughs> that it didn't grow that way but um no, and it totally did it grew in the bag <laughs> and then you just pl- pluck the bag off the tree. That's right. Um, which is like, like kind of obvious when you're saying like, of course it doesn't grow that way. But um, it was interesting yeah. to me that they were all kind of just the same thing treated differently. And then that led to a question to me, which is like, well, then like, could you do those other things to those things? And apparently do you absolutely can. There's pearled wheat. Oh. Rolled is it wheat. good? Um, I don't know. I haven't done anything with it. We I don't know. Try it out. Try it out. You put pearled wheat instead of barley in a soup and rolled wheat um so in the way that we have rolled oats and rolled wheat looks more or less like what i would call oats look like but actually that's not what oats look like it's what rolled oats look like <laughs> rolled grass seed which makes it a little yeah. bit less appealing sounding so could i make wait could i make rolled vetch <laughs> probably <laughs> mm, rolled vetch i mean maybe in 10 or 20 years if they invent tasty vetch they might come up with a new name if they once it, they invent tasty vetch they they're gonna have to rebrand. Veg. It's like the canola thing, you know. Yeah. Sometimes. By the way, did you know that? Did you know that Canada is like number two in the world for oat production? Oat production? No, I didn't know. Maybe maybe I'm here talking about oats, and everyone's like, "What's oat? Like, who cares about oats?" And it's just because I'm Canadian that it seems like irrelevant. Well, what's wild grain. to me is that so it's it's neck and neck with Russia for the most. But what's what's wild to me is it's like three times as many as the third place. Hmm. so we're just way out in ahead so like is it like is oatmeal <laughs> seems like a very silly question to ask is oatmeal like an oats or, or a commonly eaten thing in in america yes, like, yes, yeah yes, okay yes, yeah absolutely at least at my house okay but 
I, I just I had no idea. I mean, you know, Canada is our delicious neighbor to the north. So biggest trading partner. That we're just getting all our yeah, we're getting all our oats from you because yeah. the United States is in the top what is it ten? But I mean, it's a huge difference. Like Canada in 2019 produced 4.24 million tons of oats. That sounds like a lot. And it sounds like a lot. Number three at Poland is 1.2. So and then we're just the United States at and like 0.77. Yeah, so you're just you're and to dominating. think that oats were originally a weed, yeah, and to think, yeah, and they're just underpinning the Canadian economy. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, that led me to another fact about purling. Oh, great! I want to know more about purling. Yeah, I don't know too much about it, but I didn't even know it existed, and then now I do know. And that barley, when we think of barley, it's like purled. But then it, that led me on to something else, which I, which is the, one of those like, okay, it's obvious now that you say it things is that rice also doesn't grow as these super smooth little pellets that's what? pearled as well generally yeah oh so when you there's like How whole grain rice bell this by right? the way pearl like like a pearl from an oyster pearl ing okay so it's not spelled like those the programming language or oh like, no yeah. it's not p-e-r-l <laughs> there's um, a lot of different spells oh you do not want to go to the purling wikipedia page what, why, I don't know. Are they purling something that shouldn't be purling? <laughs> now I want to go to the purling Wikipedia. I'm, I'm sending you the link. Just you, you don't even have to go there. Oh just... no, that's a, no. Okay, t- no, stop. Okay, all right. Thanks. That's <laughs> a great put preview. In, what you said to put it. <laughs> uh, that's not the pa- that's not the page I was on. Oh, I see. Okay, so it can refer to multiple things. Yes, well, it sure can. <laughs> well, the one that I was thinking of was the one that they do to rice and barley. So thanks for that. Where, how do I find that? <laughs> now I'm afraid to search see. for it. Yeah, I don't know how to find it. Oh, man. Barley okay. Well, rice? trust me, according to the internet, not that page that you linked me, not but other pages page on the internet. The internet. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they, when they, you think of like there's whole grain rice and then there's the delicious Com- almost completely nutritionally void yeah. white rice. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's smoothly, it's smooth. I, that's kind of like these, uh, I don't know what's ovoid. What is the oval version of the sphere called? What is that shape called? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Spheroid is all it says. But I feel spheroid like is better what I would guess. That. Yeah, but that's... Prolate spheroid? I literally cannot find... Man, purling, if you search for, don't search for purling anywhere. No, people. well, I'm like, not going to now. I I mean, I was on a perfectly safe for work path for my search, and you just didn't don't understand how. I literally can't find different a browser settings. article about it. But, okay, so anyway. bonus, bonus fun fact. So on the question of, okay, so we all know what a sphere is, but then there's an oval version of a sphere, and right. then that like brings up this question of, well, there's actually two ways you can because of 3d there's there's two ways you can have a a oval version of a sphere one is like imagine the globe and then you pull the north and south pole and then you make like a rice grain and the other is imagine the globe and then you squish the north and south pole to make it more like a pancake right so the shape i'm talking about is a prolate spheroid um, and then the more pancakey spheroid is an oblate spheroid according to web-formulas.com everybody's top resource for mathematical facts that's the top one i mean i go that's there the on main one. i have a book i mean it's like my homepage. So. yeah well, i mean i think i think it's the default it's a default homepage, isn't it uh, yeah i think it yeah. just comes with the browser at this point right yeah okay i finally found a pearl farming oh wait no this is about oysters <laughs> <laughs> this is <not> like... <laughs> what the heck 
And then, oh my god! Uh, and then pearling in Western Australia, which covers both pearl hunting and pearl farming. I, I okay, so I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you the link, uh, the Thank canonical oh, link. D branding. Where did you send? You sent me a link. Oh, actually, I clicked away from it because it was hor- okay. <laughs> That's why, I was like, why is my chat window? That one's not going in the show notes. So Bob's Red Mill. Uh, yeah, um, Bob's Red Mill has a famous oat. Are they Canadian? Oh, I don't know. Actually, I guess it might be Canadian. I think of them as yeah. like uh, a staple I think of them as American. voice in the world of grain and milling yeah. uh, technology. And they have a, a, a nice article. This is actually the okay, one that yeah. I first This is hit a on lovely article about pearling. With, this is the one that will go in the show notes. Extremely safe for work uh, yeah. photos of pearled and of, unpearled. Of what you would expect grains. to see. Yeah. And, and uh, nothing else. Yeah. And they, and they have a little side thing. Pearl barley and white rice are the most common pearled grains that we eat okay. talks about which you know to me i given the attempts that you've made to learn more about pearling i feel like that's enough that's it this page is enough <laughs> so we'll link the bob's red mill nice uh, article here yeah i have never had bob's red mill from oregon by the way but i i've okay. never had this much trouble finding <laughs> the page of the thing we're talking about no one's asking about grains right we just no all take one. it for granted you just yeah, think we take then it for grain the, it the header photo here it, it like really indicates something that I had all, never really been too critical of. But on the left is a photo of a grain as it's growing, which is the wheat with those sort of left, right, left, right, left, right little pattern of like if you think of like an icon for wheat, if it's like the idea of wheat. Um, yeah, it's like the canonical wheat. Yeah. Uh, but then like you never see what happens when it goes from that to bread or flour to, or whatever to the thing that i eat yeah right um but then you do yeah. little pods and then you hold the pods off and then you can do all the different things with them and then that's i don't know for it to me when you reveal a layer of something about the world that you've taken for granted for your whole life it's interesting so oh 100 percent. Cool. yeah absolutely this is like a, the you know if you want to make great software you need to build hardware kind of thing yeah or at least like read our uh, wikipedia articles at least read safe for work wikipedia <laughs> that are safe and for work. other articles from wheat companies about yeah that's how you that's how i learned that's how i got where i am (laughs) well that's amazing thank you Uh, i don't have a grain fact (laughs) sorry i I thought we were on the same page but you know that's fine i really i've been holding up you know what this could you could really make a stretch 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 argument Mm -hmm. this is in some way connected if you wanted to but okay well you you do the you do the fact and then i'll find the grain okay yeah there you go so actually we're gonna try something new on the show this this time a new a new segment a new a new corner a, a new a new corner okay. I mean, this is a, an official corner mm-hmm. and this is i'm calling it kids corner kids corner yeah so here's the thing my I'm niece gonna learn about kids is, yeah no my niece i mean i guess so indirectly <laughs> my, my, my niece is five and mm. uh and she's just at that age where she just has a lot of questions about sort of how things work it's so fun they ask you questions that you had never really thought about that way it's so awesome and and pro- because i'm the host of the world famous uh, co-host excuse me very rude because i am a host of the world famous fun fact podcast mm-hmm. and uh, you know my family members know that they when they when she asks a question that has some sort of you know answer in in the realm of this show they just say oh you should go ask uncle that yeah. they have a direct line to a source of yeah facts. exactly that's right so she comes in and she asked me and so she asked me a question the other day and i actually uh, recorded her asking it for you all so I'm gonna let her tell you her question now, and then we'll 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 get into it. Okay, How's let's that hear. Sound? It. Yeah. Hi, I'm Naya. I'm five years old, and I have a question. 
Why is it colder higher up, even though you're closer to the sun? That's a good question. Yeah, it's a really good question. So,、uh, so I, so I did some. So I, I, you know, wanted to learn the answer well enough that I could then explain it. And it turns out, you know, as anyone who know, knows, in, until you try to really explain something to a five-year-old, you don't actually know if you understand it, right? So you can just I, do a hand wavy answer, but then there's a whole there'll just be a whole bunch of whys that pop out of that. That's exactly right.、Yeah. So I wanted to really understand this, and so I looked into it. So that leads me to fun fact: even though you're closer to the sun, you're actually farther away from all the heat it's generating.、Mm, the heat is generating. Okay. Yeah. So this is it's somewhat counterintuitive, I think. But if you walk your way through it, it's all ultimately I think it's pretty simple. We we know that the sun radiates sunlight, which carries heat energy and sends it to the planet. Yeah. Right. But the atmosphere that it passes through. Is transparent to most of that light, right? So it passes through the air without being absorbed. So、mm-hmm, the air、mm-hmm. around you is not directly being heated by the sun, which seems like a good thing, it, right? But that actually, I literally never thought of the fact that the sun doesn't heat the air. Otherwise, yeah, we wouldn't get heated, or like, and also a bunch of things would happen. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> Venus or whatever. Okay, all right. So the sun doesn't heat the air. What happens is that the sun eventually hits the Earth's surface,、mm-hmm. and both land and surface water, like the top of an ocean, they soak up that sun and they heat up. Yeah. So the ground and the top of the water, they do get hotter because of the sun, and then the heat is transferred to the air that's touching the ground or the water. Right. It's not the sun going through the air. It's、right. the air that's touching the very bottom layer of the earth, right? Or、that's、the top、right. layer of the earth, the bottom layer of the air. That's right. But air cools down as it rises, so and is not a particularly efficient transfer mechanism for heat.、Mm-hmm. So heat doesn't get transferred very far. Yeah. Right. So that 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 begs the question: Why does the air cool down as it rises? And so this is one of those you know they're going to ask the why, right? So air is always moving. Mm-hmm. And as we know, it will usually rise upwards, especially if it has heat. Right? We know warm air rises. Yeah. But as it rises, it will expand. Or the hotter it is, it's more expanded. Why does cold air? Why does cold air expand? Why does hot、yes. air expand as it rises? Do you think? There you go. Why? So why does it expand? So it expands because there's less atmospheric pressure. Oh, right, right. So, okay. So.、Yeah. What does that mean? So to slightly and there's over- less atmospheric pressure because the closer you get to the surface of the Earth, the gravity is pulling all of this air, and then the further you get away, yeah, it's more kind of yeah. Basically, atmospheric pressure at a very simple level describes the weight of all the air that's pushing, that's pushing down. down on the surface of the、mm-hmm. Earth, right? So the higher you, up you go, the less air is above you. Yeah, makes because sense. Because eventually you'd reach outer space, right? Ah,、so, uh, right. So it's not about the gravity being closer to the Earth; it's the air pushing、no. down. Ah, okay.、Mm-hmm. It's literally how much air. It's like a stack of pancakes. Yeah, it's the same like, as the, underwater. The deeper you go, the more water is pushing on you, and I guess the air is. Pushing on the top of that, but that's not a big percentage. That's true, but it just gets heavier the farther down you go. So、yeah. that's why you'll hear that the air is thinner on top of like a tall mountain or、mm-hmm. in Denver or something like that. Yeah. So the atmospheric pressure is highest near sea level, where you have the most air above you, and lower in the mountains, where you have less air.、Mm-hmm. So as air rises, it starts to expand as the pressure around it lowers because there's less force keeping it confined to a certain shape. Right. And、yes. air is always moving.、Hmm. So that you can test this really easily if you put a bag of like potato chips in your In your car, and you drive up into the mountains. Yeah, the higher yeah. up you go, the air inside the bag will expand, and it gets all puffy.、Mm-hmm. Unless you have an air sealed vehicle. That's right, but for the which has its own problem. <laughs> and so, then you'd open up a window, <laughs> and everything blows up.、Right. It's like an airplane. But so for the air to expand, it needs to use some energy, and then that energy is the heat that you would have felt in the air. So using up that energy to expand, the temperature of the air drops. 
That makes sense? Use up energy to expand. Yeah, because it's literally doing something. So if it didn't have any energy, it wouldn't expand? Uh, That's a good question. I guess not, but it does have energy because it had the heat. Okay. But it's roughly a few degrees of Fahrenheit per per thousand feet. Okay. So like that's why air overall is colder higher up. Right. But the next question a, a smart kid might ask is, why is it colder on a mountain? Like the mountain is also ground. Oh, right. Yeah. If you're talking, it's all about the distance from the ground and you're like, the mountain's right there. The mountain's getting the sunlight. You'd think the mountain would be just as hot as anywhere else. That's a good question that did not occur to me. This is a five-year-old smarter than me. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to make the point that another thing a five-year-old might ask probably earlier in this process, but this is where it fit in my fact. Um, on a mountain, you are closer to the sun though. Yeah. Right? Now we've yeah. already covered why the sun is not directly heating you but i wanted to also make the point that in a relative sense you're not closer to the sun because the sun is 150 million kilometers away roughly and the tallest mountain on earth everest only brings you like nine kilometers closer yeah so the difference is not enough that would make any difference anyway but but why doesn't the surface of the mountain store up heat like the other ground does and then warm you up that way and the answer is it does but when you're on top of a mountain the air you're feeling isn't only the warm air that's radiating up from the ground. You're also getting all the other air that's blowing towards you. Right. And because the earth doesn't have that many high places, for the most part, it's pretty like flat. Most of the air... The wind just goes all over the place when you're that. ...won't be cooled from the ground, right? So it'll be much, much colder. Right. And additionally, all the warm air that's by the mountain, like right next to it, it's trying to move, like I said. And when it hits the mountain, it has nowhere to go, so it goes up. Right. And then as it rises, it cools. Right. So you probably have like this convection of like hot air rising off the top of the mountain and then kind of billowing out from it. That's that's exactly right. So I think I would imagine I, I haven't tested this, but I would imagine if you're on the a top of a mountain. And by the way, also mountains, I do have surface area, but, you know, limited. Right. Because mountains yeah. and really big ones are only so, so large. But if you were to lay down on the ground, I'm guessing that you would feel the warmth of the earth more depending on probably on, you know, a lot of factors. But I would imagine. But. I do have one more sort of question that I think a, a, a smart five-year-old again might ask. And that is, okay, so if air cools as it rises and it's colder higher up, we get all that now. Why is it warmer on the upper floor of your house? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So cold air, the cold air in general, higher you go, but then there's this one exception that you experience. Yeah, where everybody knows, like, it's warmer upstairs. Yeah. We have an upstairs now, and we have two, up, two layer upstairs, and again, it's very hot up there. It's only spring. And it's that's exactly right so why is that true and the answer is because unlike outside your house has something to stop the air and trap it and that's called the roof right right? so the warm air rises and then it hits the ceiling and it just pools there Mm -hmm. so that's why it remains warmer higher up if you could like open a giant top of your house briefly all the air all the all that warm air would escape out the house and it would be cold up there all right so i'm we've like you both like explain a bunch of things and also given me a renovation plan for the summer. So we've been wondering what we're going to do here as the, it's like this heat column coming up. It's like pretty cool in the living room. And then in the middle layer, it's like me, not bad. Our bedroom's on the top and it's like, it's April and it's like, yeah, so, that, that so we just need to take the roof off. No, well, they have heating systems that collect the, the home air at the top and then redirect it back down to the bottom. Yeah. We could get like a loop going, some sort of you ducting. You do, you can. Yeah, they have. What do they pump the air in your house? But down. You can do I feel that. like yeah. that might. I don't know building codes. I, I'm going to look into all of this. This is good mm. information. 
Yeah. Or we could open a window up there and just vent it out, but that's, <laughs> that's wasteful. Also true. Wasteful. <laughs> that's uh that's, that's my answer for all the the five year olds out there or anyone else who wants to know. And I I say this because if if you fun factors out there, this is something we're new we're trying on the show. If you like this and you're you have cool kids in your life who ask you questions and you think one of them would make a good fact on the show, send it to us. Yeah, and you if you can record them cutely asking the question even better that's bonus points yeah for sure yeah increases the chance that because it's just cute <laughs> the way they ask it's questions so cute. and the way they think about things and sometimes they're just really yeah. just like kind of have that mind-blown emoji totally yeah 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 and i love it because i like you said it's just there's so many things where i have some answer in my head or i know something but i have no way i don't actually like i didn't actually understand all of this until i started looking into it mm-hmm you just like have a hand wavy partial answer. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I think what I literally told her at the time was like, well, yeah. I mean, I knew the part about the air and I knew the part about the ground. Yeah. But that was as far as I got. So there was a lot of interesting stuff in there that I did not know. Yeah. I guess like then that would probably mean that the mountain, even though it's cold on a mountain, it's probably a little warmer on the mountain than it would be in other air. If you're floating, no, it a hundred percent is. If you were floating in midair, like a hundred feet to the left of the mountain, like it would be, my, and that's why if you're flying on an airplane and you look at the um, temperature listed, they always show you, they tell you the outside temperature for some reason. I don't know yeah, who's super yeah, into that. Yeah, just horrify you. <laughs> but it's it's like, yeah, negative 42 or something. And you're like, what the? Just so you know, if you somehow were outside of this airplane, you would die in like multiple ways, not just the Right. And that's because line. there's just no heat out there. Yeah. Like it, it's just, you know, it's just a, a, lot, a lack of air pressure and, and, and all the heat has, has dissipated. So. Although I once heard like a, yeah. I don't know how big these relative effects are, but apparently when the air is really thin, the coldness of the air transfers to you a little bit less. So you get a slight improvement in that, right? Like obviously oh. you also need to breathe. So that's kind of like maybe not a net win, but in terms of <laughs> like minus 30 I enjoy air, breathing. I'm thin. used to it, you know? I'm just really it's, used it's to it. It's a habit that I've built and, yeah. you know. it's I don't, I don't really want to stop. They say it's don't healthy. Yeah, they they do actually say it's healthy. I say remember it's one to of the breathe. few habits you could have. Yeah, I try not to remember. I try to just do it. It was really actually interesting talking about kids asking questions when Ellie became aware of breathing. She's probably about three, maybe mm-hmm. almost four. And then she got we exposed her to the idea of well, you need to be able to breathe, and if you do something like going into a pool or covering your head with a plastic bag or the kind of things sure. that kids have to do, then it's dangerous because you yeah. need to breathe. And if you can't breathe, then it's really dangerous. And then she had this concern and she's like a, she's not a super anxious kid, but when there's something dangerous, she wants to understand it. And so she mm. would like uh, do something like she would be, she was eating a, you know, uh, drinking some milk and she would cough or whatever. And then you'd hear her go, <gasps> Like you could hear, oh, okay, I can still breathe. All right. Oh wow! Right, she she just yeah. She didn't fully she didn't fully realize and absorb, and it wasn't just inherently true to her that her body will breathe as long as it's possible, and that like in the seminar she would ask like, "Am I still breathing?" or whatever. Not in a she wasn't freaked out, but she was just kind of making sure she understood the limits of this new thing that we'd exposed to her that she needs to breathe, but. Trust us, you no, for sure. It's it's so fascinating as a parent, and it, and it probably depends at, at, uh, like what sort of the gen- general disposition of your child is. Hmm. But my niece, who asked the question, like you can very easily, it, you have to be kind of careful with what inf- like how you present information to her, in the sense that like we kind of had a, a similar ish kind of situation where uh, she wasn't wanting to brush her teeth, which is you know quite common, mm-hmm. and someone told her I forget who. 
uh, that, you know, you, you know, if you don't brush your teeth, you know, these, these cavities are going to come and it was kind of explained to her in kind of, kind of a kid scary way, like what cavities are. Yeah. And then she got really scared of these cavities and started like dramatically over brushing her teeth. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then we had to go back and explain to her like, no, there's actually, you can, you know, it's this horrible concept where you can do too little and you can do too much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you actually can overbrush, and you don't want to do that because that's not good for your teeth either. (laughs) Now you're like battling two different fears and (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. So you, you, you think you're doing the right thing. Like I'm going to put a little fear in her and she's going to, it was not me who put the fear in her. Not that that would matter, but uh, you know, it, um, you, you, oh, we got to scare her off this because it's dangerous. But then it's like, oh, you could actually scare her into something dangerous too. So it's, 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 it's fascinating, you know, to be a parent or an uncle or whatever and, and, you know, and, and experience all of this and be like, Oh wow. You know, but I, lo- I, as one might imagine of her, a host of this show, I love, love these questions when yeah. the kids ask them. So please send them our way. Yeah. For better, for worse, uh, LA is not easily scared of those kind of things. So it's just like, actually one thing we end up doing, that is definitely a for better or for worse situation. Yeah. There's pros and cons, but I try to use fear for something and it's just like, you know, Uh, (laughs) overall i think that's a good thing but yeah i mean you don't want to be everything to be based on fear anyway but the fact is not very effective (laughs) but then like almost like one of the things that's like frustrating about parenting is like pretty much anything you read about parenting mostly talks about how you shouldn't use things to get kids to do things right don't yeah don't scare them don't discipline them don't reward don't yeah. don't promise things yeah, yeah. to them don't make yep. st- things nope. f- about food yep. don't like, no, just leave the room just leave them where they are just put them in a padded room with some food just walk away yeah but that's kind of almost like you know jokingly come back when they're 18 yeah that's yeah exactly that'd be fine but like that's kind of the, the parenting <laughs> theory like don't interact with their children in any way that yeah. is not e- explicitly loving and supporting of whatever it is that they're doing that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Unless they're literally going to cause themselves or someone else immediate harm. Yeah. In which case then like figure out what's as lovingly and supportingly as you can. Yeah. Get the flamethrower out of their hands and then, but don't discourage them too much because you don't want to <laughs> crush it's, their creativity. Yeah. Oof. Y'all out there, our parents had it both better and worse, I think. <laughs> well, they are told like, you know, don't try not to permanently injure your children when you're spanking them or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah just don't leave you know oh god that gets really man i really want the slack chat window to go away because it still has that link yeah, yeah well uh yeah you could just it just send more messages in there and scroll it off there's like wikipedia previews idea. are normally pretty chill but like yeah test <laughs> yeah it's that was not chill okay <laughs> not chill <laughs> I, keep, I keep thinking like how oh, i discourage people from clicking on it but it's just like people know by this this day and age on the internet that people say like oh there's a thing and you don't want to see that thing i think people either know that either a i do want to see the thing uh b i don't want to see the thing but i can't help myself so i'm just going to do it and that's the kind of person i am or there's c which is kind of how where i've evolved to which is i know i don't need to see the thing and it's like this kind of like you know everyone has a relative who'd be like like oh, oh this smells horrible Ho- smell this smell this and you're like no but then yeah, some people are like okay yeah, sure i'm I curious wanna, i don't want to smell it you just told curious. me that i don't want to smell it yeah i so believe you i'm, I'm willing I'm, to uh, take yeah you. exactly yeah i have, I have i'll take that at face value <laughs> <laughs> mm.